Welcome to Stories Behind the Stars podcast, dedicated to honoring the fallen heroes of World War II. Welcome, everyone. I am with Al Shudi. Um, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I am a military historian for World War II Air Force Bomb Wing, which is how I got interested in the history of the World War II. I just, I don't remember where, whether it was an article or Facebook or whatever, but I saw Don had put something out about this project, which intrigued me. Um, I have over 1,100 airmen I have to document plus about 40 from my high school and about another 40 or 45 from my hometown. So that's my total pool is, you know, pushing 1,200 people. So I thought, well, that's great. It's, it's nice to have a purpose rather than just independently document all these guys' lives. I can actually document them and put them someplace where they'll be there who knows how long, hopefully forever. So you ha- did you already have those names researched and documented and they just were in a book or? Well, I have the names. I have the documentation of you know, their military, where, where they were, what they were in, what planes, what crews and all that, what happened to them. But I always focused on the event going forward as opposed to going all the way back into their family tree. And that's one of the intriguing parts of this project is you get to go back and see their family and their parents and their siblings and how they lived and where they lived and what they did. And you realize just how bleak the world was back in the early 1940s in this country. A lot of poverty, a lot of death, a lot of infant deaths. So that's, that's different from what I normally do. And it's pretty interesting. I enjoyed doing that. I've been documenting the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II uh, from the B-29's perspective, which ended in September of last year. And then I got a hold of Don and said, okay, I'm ready. And what he fed me was Utah because the big push was Utah. And I did about 40 uh, biographies between the time we contacted each other and actually finished Utah. Um, I haven't done anything on the D-Day. I think that looks pretty well in hand. There's an awful lot of new faces out on the website and on Facebook. So I'm going to proceed down my path. And right now what I've been spending my time doing is not not writing so much as researching. Uh, when you get down to the small level, at least around here, it's hard to really capture 100% who are the people that died in this war. I feel pretty confident, confident with uh, the Navy and the Marines, not so much with the Army and the Air Force. And with COVID, it's kind of hard to get around and go into City Hall and say, oh, can I see this story and you know, things like that. So I've been just collecting information. Uh, setting it aside for the point that I'm going to say, okay, it's now it's time to start writing these things. Uh, example, I have to go down to my high school and there's a plaque on the wall that I probably walked by every day for four years and never saw, but it has all the men who, from that high school who died, there are 41 of them. So I want to get a picture of that and that'll be my starting point of collecting information on 40 some odd people. Then I'll start writing. I think it's really awesome actually that you're picking those people that you actually have a connection with you know, they went to the same high school that you went to. And so like you have some common ground that, you know, they walked maybe the same halls, maybe obviously probably not exactly the same halls, but things have changed. Yeah, but Same school is built, it started in 1929, it's still there today. Oh, wow. So really you did walk the same halls. Yes, yes, we sure did. 
Do you find as you're doing research on these men, is there anything that sticks out to you that's just really interesting or something that you really impacts you? Well, uh, I knew this already, but I've, as someone who focused on the Air Corps, the Air Force, you don't get the flavor of how do, how many different ways a man can die. Uh, that's the one thing is, you know, when you start getting into the Marines and their invasions of Saipan or D-Day or whatever, uh, the jungles of Burma, it's amazing the number of ways that people can die. That was the one thing. And I kind of knew that, but maybe not to the extent that I do now. The thing that I did know was um, that a lot of these guys were 18, 19, 20 years old, very young, very, very young. And we sliced out 600,000 young people from our family trees all at once. That's just a big number. That's a very big number. Um, do you have a particular story that really sticks out to you that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, there's two actually. One's actually kind of a feel-good story, which is a little bit odd given the subject that we're talking about, but it has to do with family in Utah. There's a mother, father, four daughters, and a brother. The brother was the guy that died in the war. But leading up to that, uh, before he actually entered the service, the mother died, and the father who worked in a shipyard couldn't keep the four girls as a, as a parent. So he put them up for adoption, and they were all adopted by the same family. And you can actually go out and find these people still. I, three of the four are still alive. And, you know, they're giving interviews and telling about the whole thing. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, the other ones are just the stories that I knew, the bombing of the Plessy oil fields. You know, that was a very terrible, terrible mission. And one of the guys that documented flew in that mission. Um, you know, the four chaplains that went down with the ship, you know, gave up their life jackets and their seat in the lifeboats and went down with the ship. So these famous stories that you hear, at least if you're in the world that we're in, uh, you hear these stories all the time to actually get involved in the details of those. Keep in mind that for the last 23 years, I've been doing World War II, U.S. Air Force, B-29 Superfortress. And I really do the exclusion of all else. And when I helped out on Utah, all of a sudden I'm doing Marines and B-17s and B-24s and jungle fighters and all these different uh, branches and skill sets that I really hadn't spent too much time on. It was interesting. So if you, if I was to start researching and Don gave me a name from a, a bomber of an airplane, like, or an Air Force name, do you have specific resources that you know of that could really help me if I really don't know much of anything and I need to know like how to find specific things about what, do you have specific places I could go or well, I, ideas? I have, a, I have a process. So my process starts with fold three. And I go there because there's always something there in under the heading of memorial. Now it may just be a link to their draft status or, or their enlistment status. It may be a, a link to ABMC uh, web or cemeteries, but there's always something. And since that's the end point that we're trying to get to, I like to go out and say, well, what's out there? And did somebody already attempt to do this? Were they part of the project? Were they part of some other effort? And regardless of where they were coming from, did they do the job that I think they should have done? So that's my starting point. And that kind of allows me to say, well, I, this one's done. I don't need to do anything. Or they did something, but they left off the family tree part or, you know, whatever it may be. 
So I always start there. And then I just go down through my list. So I go to find a grave. I go to Ancestry. I go to FamilySearch.org, which is free. Um, I, I don't have a subscription to Newspapers.com, which is a problem. I'm going to solve that problem next week. I'll just get my own because that's a very useful resource and somewhat difficult to get to where we're at today. And I just go through that. And I have this little uh, software tool on my computer called LightShot. And you hit print screen and you just take it and you drag and drop whatever you want to copy. And I just put it on a master document. And the master document, I, I kind of order it by uh, family and then his youth and then his military service and then his death and then any post-death things. I've got like five sections I do. And I just, once I get everything copied over, I save it and I go to the next guy and just do research on the next guy, research on the next guy. When I get enough of these research items done, then I start writing. And you know, the writing may take two hours, it might take eight hours. It really depends upon how much research and stuff you got to dig through to really get the story told correctly. Do you feel like um, you need a lot of knowledge of World War II or could you just go from, you know, this was where he was flying and go from there and build a story off how he, how he died or? I think, I think the answer to that is yes, you can do that without a lot of military knowledge. The military knowledge helps a lot though because you'll see abbreviations, you're, you're aware of certain tools like missing air crew reports that Fold3 has. Um, so the knowledge of military things does help, but it's not essential. Uh, the more important thing is, can you write? Can you spell? Can you spell check, I should say? Do you feel like doing this project has added value to your life? Uh, well, I've been retired for nine years and I do this. I do something of with World War II every single day of my life. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's all day long. So this is just another slice of time into that World War II category. So I'm stepping out of the 58th bomb wing for, to help on Utah. Now I'm going to step back into the 58th bomb wing plus my high school, plus my hometown. And I'll do that. I was talking to another researcher and they said that doing the hometown was just so rewarding to, because she got to meet so many people like through the phone, obviously because of COVID, but, um, and she said that she got to see so much more of their really personal lives. So I think that's really awesome that that's what you're going to focus on, especially being in Ohio. There was quite a, f I mean, I'm assuming you have quite a few from your hometown, right? Well, there's at least 40 to 50 in my hometown. And I live three miles from here right now, so this isn't a big deal. And the interesting thing about doing your hometown or even your high school is you recognize the names. And in fact, in the hometown part, I know some of the families. Some of them are my relatives. So this would be like a third cousin, second cousin, but you know, they're related somehow by marriage or blood. And even in the high school, there are names in that high school period that those, their brothers, kid, kids, whatever, those names are still at that school today. All these years later that's so interesting yeah this um, is a great story i'll tell you i did yeah. one guy from a high school he's he's a double hitter he's in my high school and he's in my hometown and uh he died in the invasion of north africa in august of 1942 never made it off the boat and he was a championship golfer and so in my high school he was always on the golf team it's easy to find pictures of him in the high school yearbooks but he was well known as a golfer and when he when he died his father um, had a wrought iron fence all around the front of his property and down the sides. And he ripped it out and took it down to the scrapyard 
and turned it in for scrap. And two days later, his neighbor did the same thing. Tore his fence down, took it to the scrapyard. I thought that was a great story. Because they were at petitioning for scrap metal. Yeah, the yeah, they collected scrap and bacon fat, you name it. And they, the military wanted it. I didn't. I didn't know that that was something that they were asking people to do is take their oh, fences yeah. down. Oh yeah, tin cans and, and whatever. It didn't matter. If they had any kind of metal in it, they wanted it. What would you tell somebody if they're thinking about joining the the project? Uh, roll your sleeves up and dig in and search, search, search. Uh, you're not a very good internet searcher today. You will be in about two weeks. <laughs> and it's amazing what you can find. I mean, when I started this twenty some odd years ago, there was nothing. I mean, you could you could spend all day and not find your own name. You know, now it's just amazing how much stuff is out there. Um, histories and verbal accounts and recordings. And uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I know. I went to archive.org to find the intro for the this podcast to find taps is that's the, the song we're using and there it was right there at archive.org is a free download for music that's like military music and yep. like archive.org has footage of world war ii that you can just you can see everything and it's just everywhere it's amazing yeah and there's a thing called the internet way back also that's similar to the archive.org and you can what they do is they back up websites from all over the world on a relatively regular basis but the problem is, that, like, if I own a website and I don't pay the annual fee, it goes, it disappears. Well, it goes into the archive, and so you can sometimes you got to be it's it's a little bit of luck, but you could put in search for like three twenty first fighter group, and you'll find an old archive website that has information about it. That's my that's my desperation shot. Is <laughs> when I really can't find anything else, I go to the Internet Wayback Machine and try to find it. That's actually really good to know, though, because I was actually talking to a fellow researcher and he um, he served in the Iraq war and he said that he was really grateful that we were using Fold 3 because when he got back from the war and the Internet was still, you know, young, he had gone on all these sites and written memorials about the men that he had served with and that had died and then come to find out those sites cracked or like gone. Yep. So I wonder if he knows that he could go to the Internet Archive and maybe find those stories that he had written already. If he has any idea what the website was, the answer is probably yes. That's really There's cool, because that's of... another thing. My dad was saying that um, they, uh, they it, when it first started, a lot of veterans were putting things on the Internet and yep. posting stories. Yep. So, but it's you have very... this specifically very know the internet websites. very small yeah it's you just look at the internet wayback machine you just start searching you'll be surprised what you find wow that would be interesting to have someone maybe head up a project trying to find those first-hand accounts of people passing and i don't know that'd be a lot of work though <laughs> yeah you just got to take it name by name that's all you can do once yeah. you get the name you may want to go for the group or the squadron or the battalion or the regiment you know whatever the case may be it's you know some guys it's unbelievably easy there's just information readily available for other guys you know like i get this one guy his name was gottlieb knoll who was from chicago he was a first sergeant he died in china in a truck wreck that's all i know and i'm a pretty good researcher and i've written his uh, niece a couple times called her never got an answer 
So I still don't know anything about this guy. So it's going to be probably the shortest bio that I'm going to do in this entire project. I just can't find any information about it. Why do you think that is? Is because they died and then they didn't really have a lot of family that kept records or? Uh, part of it is the availability of records. So he died in a truck accident in China. That's not a big deal. And who knows if anybody even really documented it. I found out about it because some grade school did a project on it and put one page on the internet. It's probably the only page on the internet with this guy's name on it. I found a couple of newspaper articles talking about his death in very general terms. But beyond that, um, he's a ghost. But sometimes that's the way it is. I've had, that, I don't have many, they're just very, very difficult. Most of the guys I find information on. Oh, that's interesting. Well, really grateful for you taking the time out of your day to come on this podcast and share some of the things you've found and things you've learned. And we're super grateful for you doing this project with us and contributing your great knowledge with us. And we hope to see more projects from you and uh, grateful for your time. And I'll give you one last piece of advice for your uh, people listening to this is if you're new at this and you're stuck, go to Facebook and just ask. It's, there's no shortage of people willing to take time out of what they're doing and to help you figure something out. I've done it a number of times. I see people do it on a regular basis. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, we have an amazing writer's Facebook page I've found. It's just people are so knowledgeable and so helpful. And they enjoy it. So yeah. what else is there to know? What else is there to like? Yeah, right. <laughs> We're all stuck in if you live in in the freezing cold midwest right now or <laughs> well, did you car. get the ice storm <laughs> i know i'm in my car <laughs> yes we did well we had yeah a little bit of ice we had about five inches of snow and ice yeah that beat, the, beat the 14 they were projecting oh wow <laughs> it's crazy times we live in and it's just awesome that we get the opportunity to give back to the greatest generation and in, in you know a small way but in a really important way to yeah. remember these people that yeah. gave yeah. everything Yep. Amen. Thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you for listening. If you're at all interested in volunteering or just want to learn more about our amazing project, please visit us at www.storiesbehindthestars.org.